we will definitely not shut up and dribble. The champ is here. to stand with the people. The champ is here. I will, I will not, not, not lose. lose. Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you are here with we. My name is EJ and I got my man. MH. Yes, he is the DB of the show and we are black in sports, giving a voice to the culture that won't shut up and dribble. All right, man. So we're here uh, covering it all, providing all while providing a platform to be heard. Um, interviewing the best professionals in the game and in the boardroom. So switch it up a little bit on you guys, but you know how we do around this time, man. We have to welcome our guests. We gave you a little preview uh, when we started the music, but now now it's game time. So doom, 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 doom. the champ is here. So, okay, so first her aces went out and got a championship. So she's like, you know what? Let me go grab one of those too, all right? So she went out and got her own banner that, the, that they're going to be raising soon. Uh, hey, absolutely one of the most generous, humble, and traveled person in the world. We had to make sure she was in the United States to get this up, to get this interview going. So without further ado, please, please clap it up for our coach of the year, Coach Raver. Let's clap it up. Let's clap it up. Let's clap it up. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, hey, Coach, thank you so much for, for taking the time. You know, how we start our show is we always start our show, you know, as a, as a hooper yourself, you know, we start the show with a shoot your shot moment, right? So this is where, you know, you went for it all, you bet on yourself, and you just did something to say, like, you know what, I'm going to go for it, win or lose. And we need a specific moment. You can't give me, like, you know, because I know you're a shooter. You can't say I always shoot my shot. So is there a story that you would like to share with the people? Uh, literally, uh, in, in terms of shooting my shot, I was literally uh, in, in this game, you know, this this championship game. And uh, we, you know, we were on a brink. We're we're down at the end, and and I just had this gut feeling, like you know what, it's about to turn around. Let me let me mix this up right quick. And I, I call a quick timeout, and and I call everybody over, and I said, you know what, it's, it's about to happen for us. We're down by thirteen with two minutes left, and I, I switched it up on them, throw a little monkey wrench in there, and and I just took a chance, and I said, you know what, we got this. Go out there and get it done, ladies. Uh, in terms of something specific, you know, uh, I just. Literally, it was like, you know what? It's, it's just gut check time. It's gut bet on yourself and go out there and make it happen. And sure enough, like literally two minutes left, we go out there and make it happen. And it's nothing literally like uh, we did this, that, or the other. It was just a moment of clarity. It's a moment That's, of clarity. You know, like yeah. I was sitting there. I'm, I'm on the sideline. I literally have my hands folded. I'm like, I got it. It's about to happen. Let me get this time out. And I, that's <laughs> all I said. That's literally all I said The time out. Make it happen. You got two minutes left. Go do it. <laughs> That's 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 belief <laughs> for sure for sure that's belief. So coach, so coach, uh, where did your love for for sports start? Where where did that begin? Honestly, I'm not even sure. As as long as I can remember being born, I've been playing sports. I you know I grew up a little tomboy uh, in a neighborhood, uh, playing with my brothers, playing with the guys in there, and my first memories were sports related as far back as five and four years old um just outside playing you know back then we were allowed to play outside you know wasn't no uh sitting on the couch or uh watching tv in the house and everything my brother did i did and i i knew as early as six and seven that i was pretty good at doing all that stuff like you know hopping fences and climbing up trees and jumping off the garage onto the tree and all that stuff and uh everybody's like man like 
you're pretty athletic. And I, I was young and I remember that stuff. So that that's my earliest memories was all athletic sports, being rough, tumble, and just being active. What's the age difference between uh, you and your brother? A year. A year. He's by a year. Yeah. Just so a year. you guys, you guys pushed each other. You know what? I, I, I hate to, I don't want to sound, and for the sake of sounding arrogant, I don't necessarily even think it was pushing each other. It was, I think it was, I was just born this way, if that makes sense. <laughs> like, because, uh, you know, he plays sports too, but there was there was a difference between us. And again, for the sake of sounding arrogant, even at that age, I might have done a little better. Like, I, I know, you know, when I was younger, like the kids in the neighborhood would come over and ask if I could come outside, you know, just, <laughs> but that's how I played, you know. So, you know, blessings, favor, grace, all that stuff, you know, but. It was just one of those. I was just one of those kids. Oh, I love it. So, was it just basketball, or was it um, other sports that you kind of playing growing up? Everything, everything. I, I was the I was a kid, and I was the quarterback. Um, I remember uh, I played uh, baseball and softball for the boys' club, and I was pitching. I pitched no hitters like in the championship at the boys' club, and I was I wasn't even a teenager yet. And I like as far as I can remember, we were winning championships and. We would like it was no big thing to me though. Like we would go back to the boys' club, and I was always the only girl. Uh, mm -hmm. Even when I was a pitcher for the team, I was the only girl, and I was a pitcher. And I'm throwing a no hitter, and I look at these days. Some of these guys are have played in the NFL. Some of these guys have played professional basketball and the NBA, or gotten close. And I was the only girl playing with these guys way back then. And we would go back, and everybody was like, "Man, like you're pretty good." But even back then. I was just like, okay, like, when do we play again? It was never like a pat yourself on the back moment. It was a, all right, do we have another game or, or what's next? Nice. Now, uh, was was home Ohio? Home is Ohio, Toledo, Ohio, born and raised. Okay. And so that's why I, this, oh, <laughs> here, here we go. 4-1-9. Jimmy, Jimmy Jackson wore best, 4-1-9. Oh, okay. There it is. Okay. Now – what I love about sports is always kind of like the equalizer. Um, and I'm, I'm sure for you growing up, it wasn't in like, you know, I'm the, I mean, you, you say that you're only girl, but it was just an athlete, right? Um, yeah. Is that how you kind of viewed competing growing up? Or did you view it as like, hey, I'm the only girl out here? Or it was just like, hey, I'm an athlete. I'm, it is what it is. It is what it is. I, I just wanted to play. And again, call it what I'm not sure what to call it. I, I was never at a disadvantage for being a girl. Mm -hmm. I, I held my own even, even very early on and the guys welcomed me. It, it was outsiders or people watching that was just like, Oh, you know, what is she doing out there? Or I, I you know, I distinctly remember a game uh, where I scored on a, a young man and I was probably in sixth grade and his mother from the stands yelled, if she wants to act like a boy, treat her like a boy. You know, like it, it was outsiders, but the kids on the court or the people I was playing with, they Respectful. always welcomed me from day one because I held my own. Like I produced, I wasn't a liability to anybody. Um, so I never caught any flack and it was just, it is what it is. I'll play whatever we're playing. I'm going to play. Love it. So talk a little bit about the high school. You got to represent the high school. How was, and, um, I'm trying to think. We had a couple of people. We're going to get into Finley, but uh, how was it going to high school there? Um, you know, the school was winning all in all sports, winning all kinds of like championships and things like that. How was it coming up? In my high school? Yeah. Um, we were actually pretty good. Um, and I went to 
so the backstory to that is I, I lived in the inner city and I went to a school not in my zone. And that caused a little bit of, of issues for back then because, you know, everybody's like, oh, you, you should be going over here or you got to go there or, or you're, you know, you're selling out and you're going out there, you know, with them. So I, I kind of wasn't in your, in your area. No, uh, my, in fact, my, my brother my went to the school in my area. I went to the school outside of my area and we would all get on the same bus stop in the morning, but I would be on one side of the street going one direction and the neighborhood would be on one side of the street going the other direction. So I, I and, and I caught a little bit of flack for that in the beginning, but once everybody's seeing how, you know, it just worked out and how, you know, good it was, everybody jumped on board. Everybody jumped on board. Like the, the neighborhood supported me, all my friends supported me. Um, the cool thing though, is that, you know, like I said, my siblings went to the school in my zone. So I, I went to a different school than, you know, the people in my house. My brother was playing for another high school. He's playing for Libby High School where I'm playing for Bowser High School. And our paths never crossed. Like um, they would like literally say like, you know, oh, we got to get these two schools together and we got to play or, we, you know, and it never happened. And when right. I went to Bowser High School, it was a game changer for myself and for the school. And I went there for a particular reason. I want to do something different. Um, what I saw like happening in our neighborhood and I, I didn't see the kids going anywhere. I didn't see any college coaches over there. I knew that I just wanted something different. I want a different result, a different outcome. It wasn't necessarily about like black or white or going over here or over there. I just knew at that age that I wanted to do something different. That's big. And then yeah. to get the family support or like, how right. was that conversation or was there kind of a recruiting process? I know you're not supposed to say that for high school, but like just, just for you to have that foresight, like at a young age to say like, no, like, and that's choosing a destiny, right? Like that is going to get to my next question, but like, how did that kind of whole process start? Uh, cho choosing my own path. Uh, it, it's weird. Again, I started playing basketball as far back as I remember as five. So being the only girl out there, a lot of people would always come and watch me. A lot of people would always pull me to the side. And a lot of people were appeared to be vested in my future, or maybe they were, you know, and trying to find out things for themselves. But so I just started paying attention and I would see, and no disrespect to anybody, but at the school that's where I should have went to, right? never in my era, I never saw anybody go beyond high school and go play basketball anywhere. And I would look at all the schools and I knew as far as middle school that I wanted to play college basketball. I knew that I wanted to be a coach and all that stuff. So when it came to high school and, and the weird thing is Bowser High School wasn't known for that either. But I felt like from an academic standpoint, it could get me to where I need to be. And then just again, nobody was looking at the school in my zone. So maybe if I go out here, they'll come look over here and definitely recruitment. You know, it was involved. I mean, I was talked to by everybody. Hey, come here, come there, you know, uh, but I, I chose my own path um, and I'm I'm definitely proud of that because, in the, like I said, in the beginning, it was a little tough and I call a little flack, call a little flack for some co from some coaches, call a little flack from the from the culture, you know, uh, but I did what I thought was in my best interest. Coach, uh, was there a particular program? Because you said in middle school, you, you knew that you wanted to play college basketball. Was there a program or a coach or? players that you looked up to and then secondly i need to scout and report on your game give me give me the give me your scout report okay hey i still got some records out there so <laughs> <laughs> i still got some they ain't falling either um, but yeah you know so 
true story. I was playing basketball before I ever knew that basketball was on TV. I didn't know that. We were outside and I was playing and I was about 10 years old. I walked into the house one day and it was a Sunday. And again, at this point, I had never seen basketball on TV and nobody ever told me. And on that Sunday, Kentucky and Indiana played. Kentucky won. I became a Kentucky fan that day. Tennessee women and Virginia played. Virginia won, or excuse me, Tennessee won. I became a Tennessee fan that day. And the Lakers and the Celtics won. This is on, and the Lakers won, or Lakers and Celtics played. Lakers won. I became a Laker fan that day. I was 10. I've never wavered from those three schools. So that was my first glimpse of basketball on TV. But when I saw the ladies, I was like, what? Like, I, I remember asking my aunt, because it, it wasn't my mom that was watching. I was at my grandparents' house, and my aunt was watching it. I was like, how come nobody told me this? Like, girls are on TV playing basketball? Like, I've been playing basketball forever. So I was a very early Tennessee fan, as far, far back as 10 years old. And that was the only team on TV back then and whoever they were playing. When I got to about high school, Don Staley got to Virginia. And Don Staley is also from Philadelphia. So being in Ohio, you got a good glimpse of Don Staley all the time. She was my very favorite first point guard. But Tennessee has always been the team. Like okay. from, and I'll never, ever, everybody that won that day is still my favorite team to this day. <laughs> That's dope. So um, get into the recruitment part, right? So you you made that change. You, you chose your path and, you know, uh, it actually worked out for you, right? To go to uh, Bowser and like kind of get the, the looks and the change that you wanted. How was the recruiting process for you, right? Like, you know, uh, did the school help? Were, were teams coming? Did you have to recruit for yourself? Or did you just say like, hey, this is the school I want to go to? Like, how did that work? It was a little all the above, actually. Um, again, I was very savvy and I kind of did a lot of my own stuff. I, I knew enough back then to send colleges uh, letters for me. You know, it was old fashioned letters back then. It wasn't like emails. And I would write coaches from high school and say, hey, I was interested in going to your school. Um, I was a little bit small, undersized, but my numbers were there and I was producing. Uh, for example, you talked about my, you know, my stats a little bit. Uh, I had a triple-double as a freshman in high school. I started varsity as a freshman. I had my first triple-double like four games into my freshman year as a varsity player. That's I wound up graduating with 17 triple-doubles. So I was doing that back then, you know, before it was even popular. First person in my high school to do it. Uh, Dennis Hobson, who played for the Bulls, got a championship with Michael Jordan, graduated from my high school. Um, so, you know, uh, there's a couple notable people there, but in terms of numbers and, and stats, I was getting them. Uh, as a junior, for the first 10 games of the season, I averaged a triple-double. I still have the little write-up from the paper, and obviously you fall off as you go, but I think for the year, my I averaged like 12, 10, and like 6 or 7 for, you know, for a year, which is pretty good. Yeah. So I had enough sense to reach out to coaches myself. Um, I had a lot of small, small schools coming after me, but I wanted to go somewhere bigger maybe. Uh, but I don't think it was in the cards. Uh, at that time also, it just wasn't a lot of notoriety, you know, for girls. It wasn't a lot of, you had to be, when I was in high school, you had to be six foot. It didn't matter what position you play. You had to be six foot or taller to even get looked at. So, mm -hmm. you know, kind of fell in there. I'm I'm 5'8 and had 800 rebounds in a career, which is pretty darn good, but I'm 5'8". <laughs> didn't matter. So I kind of did a little bit of my own. Uh, I did get a lot of interest. Uh, Mid-American conference schools, 
uh, University of Akron was uh, interested, Kent State, some things like that. Uh, but then at the end of the day, I also knew that I wanted to play. So I would look at rosters back then and see like how tall the girls were on the rosters and see who was there. And I'm like, nope, we're going to eliminate that. We're going to eliminate that. Cause I just kind of knew where I fit. Um, and I just, you know, I was just like, you know what? I want to play. I don't, I don't want to sit on somebody's bench or I don't want to be a non-factor. I want to go somewhere where, where I'm going to play. So, so your game, what, what position were you like, like a four, three, two? In, in high school, true story, I played all five. I played wherever <laughs> I wanted to play. Every game, wherever I wanted to play. I, I, I might start at the forward and end at the point guard. True, and I, I'm not bragging. I'm not boasting. I had those skills, mm -hmm. uh, you know, at that time. But it came from, again, I had been playing. By the time I got to high school, I had 10 years of basketball experience. I've been playing since I was five. Right. I made my first team in third grade. And I was the only girl on the team, you know, in third grade. And they put the ball in my hands, you know. So whatever they need me in high school, I'd literally play all five positions in every game. And coach didn't – it is what it is. <laughs> so so what I'm getting at is, is folks from Ohio get the board. They bring the ball to the court. They tell everybody to, to kind of stay on the perimeter. I used to – I call it daddy ball when I have to watch LeBron. <laughs> So is that is that what we was getting in high school? We was doing a whole lot of daddy ball there, or ball. I mean, you know, I was doing it before LeBron then. <laughs> <laughs> but, but seriously, yeah, I mean that that's what it amounted to. I I was very my basketball IQ. I don't and I don't. It might not even be skills, but my basketball IQ back then was off the charts. Like it, it just was. But again, when you're a girl and you're playing with boys, you got to figure out how to survive. You got to figure out how to make it. You got to figure out because boys are bigger, they're stronger, they're faster, no matter what your skill set is. So that kind of shaped my IQ. And so by the time I started playing with girls, I'm like, oh, man, this is easy. <laughs> like, you know, this is easy. And girls weren't as physical as boys. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, oh, I got this. Like, I, I know how to drop this dime or set this up or, or right. do whatever. So there were some advantages to that for sure by the time I got to high school. Love it. So give me, so you end up at University of Finley, and that's, uh, you know, we met there. Right. The good old Finley Oilers. Um, what's a basketball memory that you have from your playing days or just something memorable that you have? Like, it could have been just with the team or playing, but give us a basketball memory from Finley. Uh, definitely making it to the Final Four. Um, I think it was my 2002 2002, 2003, it's been so long, but we made it to the final four. And that entire experience was actually pretty good. Uh, we were losing, so I didn't play as much at that point. Um, we were losing the game. We were going to lose. And, you know, coach had kind of waved a white flag and she put us all subs in. And there's about five or six seconds left on the clock. We go to full length of the court and I just, I hoist up a three. And it goes in there like, you know, on this and, and everybody goes crazy. And, you know, and that was actually pretty cool because, you know, we lost. I contributed. <laughs> but it, it was just a good moment. It's probably one of my better moments that year. But just that entire experience uh, at the point where we went to the final four, that was my first time flying in my life. You know, like had never been on a plane before until I got to college. My family, we didn't travel like that. We drove to Cedar Point, you know, in Sandusky. We didn't get on planes. Uh, so just having all those memories and those experiences, but even that memory 
kind of shape how I, where I am today and, and wanting more and just like, you know what? I like this. I like this atmosphere. I want to, I want to do this. Well, I mean, that's a hell of a transition. So we're going to go into kind of your career. And before we jump right into the career, let's do that segue that you made perfectly about not traveling on a plane till college because you can't keep your ass off a plane right now. I mean, <laughs> you got passport stamps and frequent flyer miles out the ass. So right. um, what so that sparked the travel bug and like every since then, you know, it's like, is that what excites you? Like what makes because you're really like. You know, it mentioned I pre-show would talk like, man, where have the has she not been? So, what um, what kind of really sparked your travel, and, and um, where are some of your favorite places? Well, that moment definitely sparked the travel bug. You know, we was we was getting on the we called it the people mover back then. We was getting on the bus every road trip. We get on the bus. We going up to the northern Michigan. It's all on the bus, eight, nine, ten hours, and then here we are. We make the tournament and. They're going to put us on the plane. I, I was scared. I, I was like, man, I ain't never, you know, I ain't never been on the plane before. I ain't want to go. And I loved it. Like, I absolutely loved it. And then it was for sports. It was for something that I love, you know. So I was like, oh, this, this is pretty cool. That, and literally, that was probably one of my greatest memories of, of being there was literally getting to get on the plane and go to a basketball game. So here we are now. A uh, little known fact, uh, I do sports travel. So a lot of my traveling when I go internationally is, is with sports. So I work for two different organizations uh, where they uh, contract me out to take um, high schoolers to international competitions. So I've been doing that since 2006. Uh, I've probably taken over 100. I'm all, almost probably about 200 kids. I've probably since 2006, I've probably taken about 200 or more kids uh, to about nine different countries to play basketball internationally. I've been in some of the best facilities in the world. Uh, 2019, I uh, took a bunch of kids to uh, Spain. Uh, we went to Barcelona. We played. Um, I've taken kids to Amsterdam, to Holland. So all in the name of sports. So this recent trip, the uh, same thing. It was a sports trip. There's a young lady from Las Vegas High School who was part of my first team here. When I got here in 2012, when I became the head coach, and she was an amazing basketball player then. She's been a pro for five years. And I always told her, you know, keep pushing to get to Europe. Do whatever you can to get to Europe. Because that's about a step below the WNBA. I mean, you have your European League and your, you know, and then you have your WNBA. And I was like, get to Europe. I'll be there. Get to Europe. I'll be there. And sure enough, uh, she got the call to go to Germany. I said, I'm coming. So, you know, I, I took that little trip, went all the way to Germany to watch a basketball game. <laughs> that's what's up. The coaching bug. When it, you know, always obviously the transition from playing to coaching. When did that happen? And you know, it seems like you said or pretty early on that you know you wanted to coach. When did that bug hit? I I knew in elementary school. I wrote a paper in elementary school about being the coach. So again, it goes back to being the only girl and playing with boys. You know, boys are kind of hard headed, right? And they just kind of do what they want to do. And I remember writing a paper to my fifth grade teacher because I was frustrated about practice. And I, I'm not sure if it was what the boys were doing or the way the coach was explaining it. And I always thought that I could explain it better. So mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to be the coach. And then they're going to do what I want them to do. Because I, if you know, and that's literally my mindset back then. I, I honestly, at one point, kind of wanted to be a coach more than I wanted to be a player. And because I, I knew I could get my point across or maybe I had my own way or something like that. But I, I strongly considered at one point, like 
uh, I could transition right now and I'd be totally fine with it. So, so give me, oh, go ahead, oh, go ahead, go ahead, EJ. No, so I was going to kind of get, so then how did you get out to Las Vegas, right? Like, how did we get lucky to get you out here? What was the decision like? You know what? Boom. I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a make history out here. I was on, so I just told you how I, I worked for a couple of different companies and we would go uh, sports travel, take kids from the United States, uh, put them in Team USA jerseys and take them over to Europe or take them over to the Bahamas or Aruba or, or wherever and, and let them play sports. So I knew that I wanted to leave Ohio. I didn't have a direction, but me wanting to leave Ohio was simply because it was cold. I, I was done with the snow, a couple bad winters. I was like, you know what? I, I want to make a move, but I, I really was directionless. In the summer of 2006, uh, I took a group of kids over to uh, Holland and we were playing in what was called the youth friendship games. And in those games, you're, you're partnering with people from other places. And my partner was actually a teacher from Las Vegas, uh, African-American female, played basketball, college basketball player, uh, PE teacher, athletic director here in Las Vegas. She was that was my roommate on this random trip. Wow. And uh, I just, you know, where are you from? I'm from Ohio. Where are you from? She's like, I'm from Baltimore, but I live in Las Vegas. And, you know, just we're there for 11 days or so and just getting to talk every day. And she would tell me about Las Vegas and what her experience was like. And she was also um, at that time, one of the first female coaches to be a assistant for a boys team here. She was at Rancho and she was a boys assistant coach at Rancho as well. And I was like, oh, I, I like the sound of all this. And I had never even been in Las Vegas. It was not on my mind. It was not on my radar, no, nothing like that. But just through that friendship and, and meeting her literally through sports. And she told me all about this place. And then I came out and visited probably a couple months later. And I was like, oh, wait, it, it's 80 degrees in February. Because <laughs> that's what about, you know, I was sold on that first. And then I kind of started looking into it. And that was in 2006. I didn't get out here until 2011, though. But just meeting her was kind of what, you know, planted the seed. And she was doing, at the time, everything that I thought I wanted to do. Had been there, had done that. Uh, she's a little older than me. And, you know, and and again, just the, and she was telling me about the opportunities out here. And sure enough, there's opportunity out here if you want to do, you know, what I do. That's what's up. International basketball kind of versus United States basketball. It's a, I guess, a wide lens question, but what's your thoughts on the game and the differences between uh, European basketball and, and you know, what's, what we kind of got going on here in the States as far as just, you know, high school level and uh, that process? So I think uh, United States basketball is starting to become a little more European. Uh, from day one, from my first experiences, the European game was faster and, and everybody played everything. And I was kind of drawn to that because I'm a play every position type girl. In the United States, even when I was growing up, you were a point guard, you were a shooting guard, you were a center, yeah. you were a forward. You had defined positions and spots and you didn't dare deter from it. Like, for example, in, in, back then, if, if, if a girl was 6'5 and she took off dribbling down the court, the whole gym would pause. It didn't matter her skills. It didn't matter if she made it or whatever. But in the European game, that's exactly Coach what you like, come, sit, come, sit, come sit down here with me after she <laughs> takes down. <laughs> right. right. You're supposed to rebound. You're 6'5. You're supposed to rebound and pass it to a guard. That, that was, and that was the rule. And from my earliest experiences over there, that was not the case. Um, 
even this past trip, I went to practice uh, every night and I got to watch the team practice. And this is a professional team with the exception of the point guard. And that's because she was legitimately a dedicated point guard and the only one on their team. Everybody played everywhere. Everybody does everything. And that's kind of, I was like, I liked it. So with that being said, the game is faster. I think the European game is faster. And then those, it's not as pesky as here. Like you, you, you're over there and you could run somebody over and, and knock them down, run through them or whatever. And the game goes on. Like you just, you just play. Uh, so the skills are the same, but just in terms of there being, you're this, you're this, you're putting that box, you're putting that box. There's no boxes. It's, it's wide open. Everybody go get your money. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, there you go. <laughs> All right, so um, now that you're here, you've been coaching. Now, did you start your coaching career? Because you've been coaching it's from, like, the article for about 10 years. Were you coaching with Las Vegas High School? Were you coaching before then? Yes, I, I was coaching in Ohio. Um, oh, okay. I also coached volleyball, too. It's a little-known fact. I was a volleyball coach, too, uh, at Bowser High School as well. So when I got out of college, I only went back to Bowser. I didn't want to coach anywhere else. Um, and I coached volleyball and basketball there. And at the time that I applied to be here. So, like I said, I started visiting about 2006. Uh-huh. Around 2007, I realized that Las Vegas was where I wanted to be. And at that time, I only had a bachelor's degree. But not knowing anything about the city or just having perceptions. I'm like, you know, back there you have perceptions. Whoa, it's Las Vegas. It's big. It's fancy. It's, you know. So I said, I need some staying power. Um, so when I decided to move here, first thing I did is went back to school, uh, Bowling Green State University, to get my master's degree. I enrolled in school the day I decided to move here. And uh, that was 2007. I graduated in 2009 with my master's degree in education. And the day I walked across the stage, I applied for the job here. So I was in the portal uh, for a year and a half. I got in, like I said, I got in there in 2009 and they hired me in 2011. Uh, and you know, it was set from there. So I planned to be here. I didn't just come out here willy nilly. I like plan cause I wanted to be able to stay. Uh, but I came from a coaching job, uh, true story. Uh, in October, actually September of 2011, I got a phone call from Liberty high school. Now I'm still in Ohio. Okay. Liberty High school calls me and a guy named Christopher Hermes Hermes, uh, was the athletic administrator at the time. We talked for about four hours on a Friday afternoon. He offered me a job as a teacher and the next basketball coach at Liberty High School. He says, call me on Monday. We'll get set up. So I hung up the phone and I actually called my friend out here in Las Vegas. I said, hey, uh, Liberty High School just called. And she goes, whoa, that's a pretty good job. And she goes, but it's way across town. So at that time, what I know now, my <laughs> friend lived over by uh, Santa Fe Station. And yeah. Yeah. That's so way across town. Right. <laughs> and, and I knew if I came out here, I'd probably be staying somewhere close to her, you know? So first thing she says, that's an amazing job. That's an amazing school. She goes, holy crap. Like you hit the jackpot. She was very high on Liberty. Monday morning, I wake up. I'm excited. I call this guy. Doesn't respond. Mm. Call him back the afternoon. He doesn't respond. Call him yeah. Tuesday. All the way through Thursday, the guy never responds. I call his cell phone. I call the school. So I finally contact somebody else at the school. And I say, hey, my name is Ashanja Rayford. I got hired Friday to be a new basketball coach, uh, PE teacher. I want to get, you know, she kind of gets in there like, what? Who did that? And I go, you're, and I give him the name. And they're like, no, he didn't have the power to do that. Mm. And they taught me just like that. Before this guy hired me, I was all set in stone. Could have been in my car driving out here. And 
I to this day I haven't heard back from this guy. To this day I have not heard back from him. Man, so it's my guy. Yeah, he he left he left the zip codes. Is he still? <laughs> So I that was that was like a, a bummer because then I was like, wait, did he take me out of the pool? So that was in September 2011, and oh, ne- like literally never heard a word back. Emailed this guy. He had given me a cell phone number, the work number. Nobody from the school called me back. No nothing. And then all of a sudden, uh, October, a month later, I get a call from Las Vegas High School, uh, Dan Triana. I was a little skeptical at this point. You know? <laughs> I was yeah. like, yeah. Right. And as uh, soon as I hang up with him, I call my friend back. I says, hey, Las Vegas High School just called. She goes, take it. She goes, that is the best school for what you want to do, for your personality, for your mindset. She goes, take it, take it, take it. Wow. And I says, I'm kind of just shell-shocked from the last experience. I says, what do I do? She goes, take it. Like, she literally was like, you won't find anything better. And then she talked about the principal at that time at Las Vegas High School. His name is Debbie Brockett. She goes, you and her will click like you wouldn't believe. She's a sports lady. She's this, she's that. She goes, take that job. And sure enough, uh, they called back the next day. We interviewed uh, uh, maybe about October 25th. I was in my car November 6th, driving out to Las Vegas. <laughs> Let's go. Yep. All right. So um, while we're getting into this, if you could get find any little more light. Uh, I just, yeah, I just saw that. Like, <laughs> No worries. We definitely want. So while you're getting adjusted, you know, I'm going to, kind of hit you with this because you know that's a great story right like even you know um getting close to your dreams and then not getting it and i think that kind of situation is going to happen again on a, a follow-up question i'm gonna have for you okay um and maybe we'll just jump into it we'll, we'll go backwards while you're kind of finding some life for us so sure. so let's talk about like you're awarded there's that light there we we got to see you there we go so um you're awarded coach of the year. So definitely like, let's, let's go. Congratulations. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But you were offered something before and then turn that down. So like, give the, the, give the, like the story of kind of like how that happened and, and just kind of going back into the humbleness we talked about of, you know, you feeling that that wasn't for you. And then God has something better for you. So it's kind of take us, the, us through that, that process. Man, you absolutely nailed it. Uh, first of all, it's such a blessing. And being coach of the year, that probably means more to me than winning the state championship. Because uh, you, you expect to win the state championship. Like, that's what you coach for. You, I come in the gym every day and call them champions. We could lose by 30 and we're still champions. And, and you, that's what you're working towards. I don't know anybody that works towards being coach of the year. Like, you just, you don't. So it's an honor to be recognized, you know, by your peers or, or by whomever saw the work that you put in. But uh, the backstory, so we were also in this position last year, and people forget, we, we were state runners up last year and, and had a better record and probably a better team and almost probably an easier path. Like, I mean, we, we smooth sailed right to the championship game and, and lost to a better team. Uh, we come back this year. With that last year, we were undefeated conference champions. So we come back this year. We weren't undefeated conference champions, but we were 9-1 and one in, in our conference. And we get to the conference meeting. And, and we kind of dominated our conference. We, we really did. I think we won by average uh, almost 40 points in our conference games. We won by about 40 points. So at that meeting, um, they're set to nominate me as coach of the year in our conference. 
And just from a realistic point of view, I remember playing a particular school last year where one, they didn't win many games. Uh, the product that they put on the court was not very appealing or appeasing. Uh, and they had some internal issues like fighting each other on the court or just the, the behaviors, the attitudes, and things like that. And so here we are this year and, and that same school, they've won more games than what they did last year. They made it to the playoffs this year. So as they're getting set to make me coach of the year, I say, wait a minute, guys. I, we were undefeated conference champions last year. I'm a conference champion this year. I, I don't need it. But somebody else that's building their program and, and, and that's working just as hard as it, they need it. They need that pickup. That program needs to be able to grow because the, the more successful the lower half of the conference is, the better the upper conference is. Like, right. it, you can run through people all day long. I don't think that helps you. What helps you is when we're all strong. And I saw the work that this lady was putting in and her product on the court looked better. The kids looked better. They, they looked more skilled. They looked more. And again, they were they went from last to hosting a playoff game. So I passed that honor on to her. And she was very grateful and very, you know, she was completely like blown away, you know. And, and again, we were we were champions last year. I, I don't think being a champion makes you coach of the year. I, to me, I think it's about the program and, and building your program and the product that you put out there. I put the same product out there this year than I did last year. I don't think that makes me better than anybody. But when I see somebody go from last to middle of the pack or, again, just the product and the play that was out there, I think they were more deserving. So passing that, um, didn't think nothing of it, it, you know, and then here we come full circle again. And I, I, I was actually uh, on a train headed to Prague and I get a text message from the uh, review journal and it says, Hey, you're coach of the year. And I almost tripped getting on the train. <laughs> I was like, what? I was like, are you serious? He's like, yeah. And, and it was just a complete full circle moment. Like, man, I was like, you know, God has something better for me. And when I passed that along the last time, it had nothing to do with this. You, you like, you, if you're in it for the right reason, you don't even think about these things. I don't like, again, I don't know anybody that coaches to be coach of the year, you know? So it was definitely a blessing. It was definitely like a, a you know, a, a cool moment, a satisfaction type moment. Cause I'm like, wow, like I just passed that along to somebody else and here it comes back to me, but on a, on a bigger scale. That's wow, that's crazy. And then in the moment, hosting that trophy up, what was that for you and, and, and the team? How'd that feel? Um, I was so happy for them. You know, sometimes, you know, we're, we're on the east side or we, you know, we get knocked or, or people have perceptions of, you know, those are poor kids over there that don't, you know, can't do anything or don't do anything. And there's sometimes this whole perception about Las Vegas high school or, or the East side or, or, you know, kids in general compared to like your liberties and your Coronados and your whatever. And, and there's this uh, mindset that, you know, that's, that's for the birds. Right? Like those, those are the poor folks. Let's leave them over there. So the fact that my kids who I know work just as hard as everybody else's kids had that opportunity and had that moment. Um, I know for my, for a fact that it's not easy to come back. Like, you know, we, we went to the state championship last year, and whatever happened was cool. We were so happy to be there. We thought it was like the most amazing thing that's ever happened to us. And we didn't talk about it a single day this year. There's not one day in our gym. I call them champions every day because they're champions. But there was not one day in our gym that we talked about the state championship or last year. We talked about what we needed to do this year in order to be state champions. So all that stuff was out the way. 
And so to make it back there and have all the adversity that we had uh, in December, we were down to five players. We had five players in December. Everybody was hurt. I, I had a, a knee, an ankle. I had a girl who uh, broke a rib. We were literally playing with five players, a varsity team. Wow. And we just pushed and pushed and pushed. And I told the girls in December, we were at our breaking point in December. We had uh, two tournaments over Christmas break. We had eight games in 14 days with five kids. Uh -uh. We went to a championship game in one, and we won a championship game in the other with five kids. And we were so exhausted. And I would tell the kids, I said, ladies, I've watched so many competitions. I've watched every sport there is to watch. I've seen every victory parade there is to see. And I've never seen any champion get on a podium and cry because it was easy. They cry because it was hard and because they remember what it took to get there. I told them back in December, I says, remember this so that when we get on the podium and we start crying, it's because it is. It's because nobody knows how hard we just worked to get through these past 14 days. We didn't have a sub. We played five games without a single sub. There was just nobody there. That's how broken we were and, and how much adversity we had to overcome. So to finally get to that day and get to the game and to see all that come to fruition and, and we pulled it out and, and we made it happen. I was just so happy for them. Like I was like to see the smiles on their faces. I felt like they deserved it. I felt like they deserved it. I felt like the East side deserved it. I felt like Las Vegas high school deserved it. It wasn't even about me. It was literally to see the hard work that they put in to know what they went through, uh, to know that I had a kid that missed a month uh, with a broken rib, to know that I had a kid that almost broke a foot, uh, a senior, third game in, missed a month, an entire month of December. And then here we are on the podium, knowing what we went through. Like that, to me, that was just everything. So this is your like reflection moment, because I feel like coaches, <laughs> y'all don't reflect on too much outside of what we got to do next to get better. So I'm sure you're already in off-season mode, like, okay, what's already. coming on? Yeah, like what what's next year? So I'm glad that you're having this reflection moment. I, I, to me, that's what's beauty about sports is the stories uh, of the journey, um, often not told because we're always to the next point, but um, that's awesome. That's, that's that's really awesome. Salute to you and, and your team for real, for real. Oh, uh, it, it was crazy. I would look at my assistant coach, you know, and I'd be like, man, is this really happening? We're we're a varsity team with five kids, mm -hmm. and at not one point. In the entire year that we have 10, we never played five on five in practice this entire year. Wow. I had to call in other people because we never, we were never healthy. And I would just be like, man, but this is going to come together. It has to come together. I, we were so faithful to the process and just so faithful to believe. And it just started coming together. But we never, even down to the day before the state championship game, we did not play five on five in practice. We didn't have 10 kids ever mm -hmm. this entire year. But we had a roster of 12, you know, like, and I would have to call up the JV kids. I'll have to, you know, uh, I jumped in there and played or, and, you know, my coach would jump in there. But we, like, that's how our year went. But I would just see, like, we're getting better. We're getting better. We're getting better. And then I would have to be creative. Like, what do you do when you can't play five on five? Or we only well, have. Well, you, you LeBron now. So, I mean. <laughs> you know, I want to do them like that, though. You know, I want to do them like that. <laughs> I want to break their spirits. You want to break their spirits, crush them. <laughs> right, we already limping. You know, we. I, I had a girl. You know, I had a girl. One of my starters got into a car accident two weeks before the season. Oh, Their family God. got rear-ended. She had to get an injection in her back to even play this year. That that's how broken down we were. 
and we just kept plugging kept plugging kept plugging so in that whole celebration nobody really knows what we actually went through and that's why it was so special but again i you guys have seen it nobody gets up there and take the stand and be like oh the, the road to the championship was so easy you know, it's hard. Or Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant kind of, that's why he's still churching. <laughs> he, he might be the only one in history. My bad. My bad. Right. <laughs> no, it, it was a struggle for sure. It, it was a struggle. but we. Oh, we that's amazing. Together. Well, I'm glad you shared that because, right, like when you see the headlines, all you see is a trophy raised, right, yeah. and the banner. And, like, did not know all of that was going on. And, I mean, there's just even deeper stuff. But just so we yeah. can keep it moving because we want to cover it all. Um, MH, man, you want to hit the quick hits? We got to hit them quick. Yeah, Coach, uh, first time, if ever, that you've been starstruck. Winning Coach of the Year. I love it. I love For it. For sure. Uh, if you were to have a top five uh, of all time uh, women's basketball players, who would that top five be? Give me your starting lineup. Cheryl Miller, Cheryl Swoops, Dawn Staley, myself, and Shamik Holdsclaw from Tennessee. Okay, Shamik. He said yeah. myself. I love it. Shemeek dark, I love Shamik. Shamik a dark horse. What's your uh, pregame playlist? What's, what's that looking like? What, what, what music are we listening to? I actually listen to all gospel music. Uh, to be specific, I, I do. Uh, uh, to be specific, anything up tempo. Uh, but when we go to the games, they know not to touch me. We on the bus. I put my headphones on. Uh, my favorite song right now is just it's called Faithful to Believe, and that's what I've been rocking to since then. So are we talking uh Donnie McClurkin gospel music? Or are we talking we're talking to everybody? Uh, you know, I'm a preacher's kid, so I, I grew up this way. So we we talking Mississippi mass choir, we talking Wade in the Water, Ship is not we talking everything, whatever yeah, comes on is what I'm listening to. I got a playlist of about 500 songs in my phone. There's no secular music in my phone at all, none, not a <laughs> single one. Yeah, you, you secular music, so I know you're in the church. Like not not one. I know it. I know it. Uh, favorite all the places that you travel. Come give me a top three like favorite cuisine that you you've you've ate there. Uh, when I was in uh Senegal, Africa, uh, there's a thing uh um food that was that's very specific and native to uh West Africa. It's called jibujin. Uh, it's rice it's it's fish it's a melting pot of a bunch of different things but rice is the base and you eat it with your hands uh and while i was there i went to a cooking school and we made it there we all sat down so this is like your family meal this is like your sunday's best this is like when big mama coming over and and the family getting together that's what it's, it's jibujin and we made it at this cooking school and we all sat down around the pot uh you sit on the floor and you eat barehanded uh i messed it up because you know I grabbed a spoon <laughs> just, and uh, I literally somebody looked at they almost died right like and I was like oh my bad I thought y'all was just seeing you eat it with your hands I didn't know he was actually doing it and sure enough it, it you know it took me a minute because God and this is 2019 so this is before the pandemic so that didn't even matter but I'm like man we all sticking our hand in here and we and and that's how it was, and it wound up being like one of the best moments ever. Like it, it was so authentic and so cool. And I, you know, you just you get into the culture and you get into it. And once I got over just you know my American ways, I I was locked in. I was totally locked in, and I'll only ever eat it that way from here on out. Mm. Okay, give me two more, two more. Uh, cuisine. Mm -hmm. 
Morocco was pretty good. Uh, actually, um, the tea there was, was fabulous. And you, you eat tea, you drink tea with every meal. Uh, you drink tea without a meal. You drink tea before you go to bed. And uh, all the different types of tea, like it was a thing. I mean, you know, you go get a hamburger and they're like, what type of tea would you like? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that experience was pretty cool. And then, of course, uh, Venice, Italy, um, just uh, homemade pasta or, or somebody making pasta at your table and then bringing it back to, you know, so that was quite the experience. So that was be my top three. Uh, Senegal, West Africa, hands down the best. I love it. There it is. All right, so we're going to jump into the winner's circle, and this is, you know, uh, just the, the platform section. And, you know, you, you've kind of touched on a few things, um, and the one I want to touch briefly on is the entrepreneurial spirit, right? And, like, um, you know, you were talking about the, was it the, the uh, sports travel or travel with sports or something yeah, like that, that you, that you kind of uh, uh, done that. And then, you, I mean, you've done some, you know, other entrepreneur things, right? Like, um did you own a boxing gym or a gym or something at one time or something like that? Like, you know, always have your hand in something. So what, what is that, you know, entrepreneurial spirit birth from and why is that important to you? Uh, so I wasn't the owner, uh, but I was a partner uh, in a very successful boxing gym that's produced uh, quite a few Olympians, as well as some people that you see in Las Vegas on the regular uh, Friday night. Uh, Jared Big Baby Anderson. Uh, was in my boxing gym. Uh, Albert Prince Bell was in my boxing gym. Leo Hall was in my boxing gym. Uh, yeah. Robert Easter Jr. We, we, we were all we're all from the same place. So I actually got into boxing accidentally. Uh, I was in my 30s and Toledo Pal. Uh, I just wanted to give back to the youth. I wanted to do something in the community with kids. And Toledo Pal uh, was hiring for a boxing coordinator. I knew nothing about boxing. Didn't even know that that world even existed in my own city. I was just looking to get back involved with kids and they hired me as a, a director of a gym from there. And I fell in love. I, I fell in love with boxing. I love boxing up until that point. Mike Tyson. Yeah, you watched it, but I wasn't into it. Uh, so it was kind of accidental. And from there, uh, I wind on to go to be a, a partner in another gym. Again, that's for o O'Shea Jones. Uh, all these all those kids come you know, out of my gym or for where we're from. Uh, and we all work together, you know, with the various gyms. But that's all 419 Toledo, Ohio. Um, so when I see these guys fighting at MGM or, you know, uh, or T-Mobile Arena, I'm like, yeah, I remember when they were kids, you know. So uh, that was cool. Um, and then the the sports travel thing. Uh, in fact, we're gearing up. My same friend that I met in Amsterdam in 2006, we literally just talked about starting our own uh, division of that sports travel. Uh, and we want to get a team uh, actually for 2024 to take them back over to uh, Holland. Uh, my thing is, I just want kids to experience the things that I've experienced or have an opportunity that I didn't have. Uh, like I said, I didn't travel until I got to college. But here I am taking eighth graders and, and, and freshmen and sophomores to different countries, getting their passport stamps. And when we go over there to play, it's not just to play. We, we, you know, we get involved. We do cultural stuff. We volunteer. We get in the community. Uh, we, we immerse ourselves in, in the way of living in the place that we are. So it's not just about sports. It's about life through sports. I tell my kids, even here at Vegas, it's about life. And if I can teach you a little bit about basketball or learning a little bit about life, uh, I'm good for that. So a lot of what I do, I just, I want to give kids an opportunity. I want to give them a chance. Uh, I, man, I mean, I'm, I'm blessed. Like I, 
sometimes I literally am just like, wow, I can't believe this is happening to me, you know? So I, I, I want to give that to somebody else. I, I want to take them there. I want to give them another way. Also, uh, I want to talk to them about education as well, and because I think that gets left out sometimes. I, like I said, before I moved here, I got my master's degree. That's important to me because right. it gave me staying power and it also gave me a voice, but I didn't stop there. I also have my master's degree plus 60 some odd hours and a whole bunch of endorsements on my license. That's important to me also because it puts you in a position to where uh, your voice matters and nobody can quite, well, they can question you, but again, your you voice, <laughs> you, you can stand on your own and, and you can have an opinion and you can sit at the table and, and you can put your input in and, and you can do things and you can bring it back to your community and, and keep passing it on. Uh, there's a saying and I have it on my bathroom mirror. Um, you have to build a longer table and not a taller fence. So, you know, when you when you have it and you have it good, you, you got to spread that out and you, you got to give it to other people when you've been blessed, pass it on. So that that's kind of my mindset behind just the entrepreneurial thing and also getting kids involved. I prefer to only work with kids. I don't character black or white or green or yellow or brown that's not an issue for me but um it's about giving them the opportunity and and showing them a better way and and showing them things that they may not otherwise have access to so that's where my heart is i love it so i'll go ahead mh uh it's it's funny that you you say that i mean we we've had this conversation on the live shows uh about getting the bag early and how you know you know, that's kind of changed from amateur sports to professional sports. But I really like what you're talking about with the education piece. Do you think that's a piece that's being obviously overlooked a little much now that we're trying to, you know, get get as much you know notoriety as we can earlier? At least that's what we're preaching to our youth. In my opinion, it's so overlooked. It, it, it's beyond overlooked. It's, in fact, it's not even talked about. And yeah. what I've seen a lot of times, even with these athletes, even the gifted ones, is there's a way around it. There's a way around education. There may not be a way around your skill set, but there's a way, oh, we can we can bypass that. Oh, that that C doesn't matter. We can we, we can still get you in or you know, there's a compromise component to your education. And my kids oftentimes, uh, especially the young ladies uh, that I've had in my program, they, they see what I do and, and I share it with them. I invite them and I tell them, I give them a glimpse into myself and I've heard all the time, the kids always say, you're rich, you're rich. And I so quick to say, I'm not rich, I'm educated. Mm. I'm not rich, I'm educated. And I, and I and then that's when they all like, oh, like, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to hear that part. In fact, they're going to walk away, but it's the truth. It's, <laughs> I'm not rich, I'm educated. Mm -hmm. I have enough sense and the abilities to, to, you know, get where I get in, where I fit in and make my own way and make decisions. And, and carve them out. And if that comes across as being rich, then maybe you should be educated too. And, and I preach that to them. I, I teach that to them. And it's so important to me. I'd, I'd go tutor in a heartbeat. If that meant the difference between you getting an A or a B or getting a scholarship or or even getting across town, I, I, that's what I want to do for sure. That's, that's a great point. That's a great point. And I mean, so, I mean, you, you definitely do so much for it. Like I'm, what you do for the kids. Cause like I've been in sessions where we just talk, you're like, not only the adversity that they face on the court, a lot of these kids face adversity in the home. Um, I've just, had kids with no mothers. 
we we all know the absent father thing. I've had young ladies with no mother in the house. That, that's a whole different thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and a lot of that is, is native. Again, we go back to the east side. For my experience here in Las Vegas, a lot of that is, is part of our population and social demographics and all that stuff over there. So you, you got to be able to, or you have to want to, not be able to. You got to want to take on all of it, not, not just on the court. The courts, in fact, for some of the kids that I've had, young ladies, the basketball part is easy. I got that. You like get all support in that home life. Like, whoa. <laughs> and I won't default, but like you do a lot for those kids. Amazingly, amazingly. Like it's so coach of the year is not even there should be other kind of honors just for what you do. And it's like, you don't do it for those accolades. Like you said, you don't go out to win coach of the year, but it's much deserved, you know, personally for what you do. Um, another, another thing that you're a really big advocate, cause you, you do love <laughs> coach love kids, um, women's sports, you know, like I, we started the, we started it out like the aces, our aces won the chip, you know, you were there at the, at the uh, parade, um, Tell us why that's such a big thing for you to push. I mean, other than the obvious reasons, right? Like you're a coach or, you know, women's coach for these young ladies and to see them. But why is it such a big push and proponent for you? And, and, you know, you've done a lot of stuff with the Aces, even like getting your girls to go see some of the games, okay. thanks to some of the programs here. Um, Because a lot of it goes back to when I was younger, there was just there was no exposure there. I, there are some fantastic female basketball players that I know and have seen and and we've all seen that never got an opportunity the way it exists today. Like, I mean, people were doing, even back in Cheryl Miller days, like if, if, if Cheryl Miller was playing today or had the, the notoriety and, and whatever, you know, that exists today in social media and TV and all that. Uh, but at the same time, I'm no hater. I feel like great. Like, you know, again, this is one of those things where, we did a lot of work and now somebody else can benefit from of it. Let's, let's get this platform out there. Like uh, I pay for my tickets because I think, you know, for, uh, in women's sports, that's where the disparity is. It's in the money. It's in the money. Like we talked about, I think on this show, how last year going into game five of the WNBA finals tickets were as cheap as $10 and they all didn't sell out. So if everybody's getting in free or, or if everybody's, you know, just, you know, not, really involved in it then i think that's where you know it tends to collapse or it tends to go away so uh women's sports i just think it's huge i think women are as talented as they've ever been and um and i love all the you know the platform and and the fact that tv you know notoriety uh TikTok for sure these days uh you know my girl we can't seem to get a practice in without getting a TikTok video in first you know so, and, but if that's what makes you happy and if that's what gets it out there, I am all for it. And I just think the, I think we're due. I think it's about time. I think it's about time that women, again, get a seat on the table, you know, build a longer table, not a taller fence. I think it's about time we're welcome to the party. And I think there's enough room for everybody out there. So I'll, I'll promote it, support it. Uh, I actually texted a friend who knows Asia Wilson. And I said, do me a favor, tell Asia, we're going to get our rings at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So if you want to go out and have a drink over this and we can talk about this, you know, let's do it. 
Let's talk about the road. I love it. Right. All right. So we're winding it down, man. We're coming to the end. Uh, this is where, you know, uh, we ask you to drop a coaching gym or it's called the assist. So something you would want to share to either your younger self, to the, our listeners. Um, you know, I know you gave us the quote, you know, not a longer table. Uh, I mean, uh, a longer table, not a bigger fence. Was there any other words that you live by? Uh, to any coach out there, uh, patience is a virtue. We were state champions this year, but five years ago, I won't, we only won five games. And you just got to keep working, keep plugging. Don't give up. Don't give up on your dreams. At 45, I still dream. At, at, at 38, I knew we would be state champions. I didn't know when. I didn't, there was no magic years. 2023 was going to happen. But I worked and worked and worked and worked and worked. And I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just saying I was faithful to the process. I never once cheated the process either. I was faithful to it. We went from five games to being a state champion. So if you're out there, it doesn't matter what school you're at. You just keep working. You keep plugging away. Don't give up on your dreams. Don't quit on yourself. And if anything, just stay faithful to the process because it will pay off. It may not be in this regard, but it's going to pay off. There it is. MH, hit us with those final thoughts. Coach, you're a champion. You're a champion. So we we appreciate you uh, spending some time with us. Real quick. Uh, besides South Carolina, is there anybody that's going to be able to compete with them? Um, and they, uh, in the well, eliminated. <laughs> uh, Stanford's out, uh, Indiana's out, uh, Iowa's out, uh, UConn and Ohio State play tomorrow. That's a two and a three. Uh, like literally, it's like everybody's trees are falling for South Carolina, just drive down the road. Uh, I figured literally every team that's out, Arizona's out. I picked all those teams to be up there to be able to compete. But even if those teams were in there, I don't think anybody can actually compete. I think they'll give them a good half of basketball, but there's no competition right now. Those girls are rolling. They're rolling. They're rolling. All the way to the bank. They're rolling. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. All right. Well, we want to say thank you and congratulations. You know, I had to, I got the little, you know what I'm saying? Hey. <laughs> I was thinking about repping it. Um, but no, thank yeah, you, no, Coach no, Man. Congratulations again for all the success for you, your coaching staff, and the girls, and then just what you've done to just bring that um, that light to um, Las Vegas. Uh, we didn't even get to the fact that you're getting the key to the city, so maybe on on the next live you could talk about getting a, a key to the city. Maybe just have the key on the live for us. Um, right, well, let me put it on the chain. It's going to wear right there. <laughs> there it is. Hey, well, we all hope you enjoyed this show, man. This was definitely a special moment to actually highlight one of our own that's doing amazing things here in Las Vegas and just amazing things in the life of the the, the kids, not just the kids on her on her basketball court, but the kids in that school and the people that she influences that she's taken all over. So please know that we're dropping new shows every Thursday. So subscribe to the YouTube channel because visual representation matters. Uh, know that you can subscribe and listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. And as we always say, please stay safe, practice gratitude, and know we're rooting for you. Screaming, all us blacks got us sports and entertainment until we even. Assuming I'm rooting for everybody that's black. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Assuming I'm rooting for everybody that's black. Yo, 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 me I'm rooting for everybody that's black, smack bouts and racks on handmade new rags. Sue me I'm rooting for everybody that's black, that's everybody from sports to college class to rap and rap.